I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so I opened up. We're running the small little fish out there, so we are on the... We're trying hard to make it true, but it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I'm, hard, I'm heartbroken. All right, so that's two huge games to look forward to. Just a little bit of news we will cover before we get into the two all and semi-finals, and that is that Eddie Brennan has stood down um, from his position as as leash manager. He had a two-year deal and didn't um, take the option of the of the third year. Obviously, huge disappointment in leash for Eddie to step down. Like, I mean, he did an absolutely brilliant job with them. Beating Dublin was the big one, performing really well against Tipperary. And, you know, arguably should have beaten Clare over in Nolan Park this year. So definitely when he took over Leash, Leash just about, about avoided relegation from the Joe McDonough Cup. Um, they lost by 10 points to both Kerry and Carlo. So that kind of improvement in two years just kind of, you know, it, it, it kind of highlights the, the loss and the job that Eddie, and it has to be said, um, Tommy Fitzgerald as well, and Niall Corcoran too, who just did an absolutely fantastic job with the with the Leash team. By all accounts, Eddie, and he was completely on the record after the Clare game in his interview saying that he wanted more backing. He wanted more financial backing. And it was kind of like a plea to the Leash County Board to to maybe back the team a little bit more. Um, by all accounts, in the meeting, he wasn't promising promised the backing that he wanted and you know he he left at that stage there's no point in completely ignoring the role that the off the record chat had I'm sure that affected his negotiating power potentially with the county board but who knows so you're only getting into speculation um, at that stage maybe maybe it didn't help maybe Eddie would have left anyway maybe he would have stayed we'll never know uh, Cheddar but I suppose um, the, 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 the point here is that you know Eddie was a very ambitious manager and he wanted more financial backing. And, you know, from a Leash County Board perspective, they, they, they 
back the leash hurlers this year more than the footballers financially. And it's a small county and doesn't have a, a you know, huge finances to be able to give. And Eddie's hugely ambitious and wants to catch up on the Limericks and the Tipperaries and these teams with huge backroom teams. And it's a very, very difficult one for an ambitious manager and for a county board with limited funds. Yeah, um, Woody, was, I, I was afraid we were going to bring up that today. All right. Um, um, I look, um, you know, obviously we're on the show and we've got to discuss these things as well. Um, look, uh, just before I sort of give some comments, I'm not privy to the goes on in these hurling. When you step away as a manager, you step away and you stop inter- you don't be interfering in that. Um, um, you know, and I, I'm probably not going to comment a whole lot on it. There's been, you know, I'm not going to add any more fuel to that fire, Woolly. But look, you've raised a couple of little points there. Um, you know, first of all, um, Eddie and Niall and Tommy done a great job the last couple of years um, and, and certainly have leads heading in the right direction. Um, and, you know, you talk about Eddie being ambitious. Look, every manager should be ambitious. Um, you know, that's not a prerequisite. There are prerequisites for managers. You shouldn't be, in, in, you shouldn't be getting them if you're not. But equally, everybody should be ambitious. County boards, supporters, and particularly the team. There's no point in, in you saying to the team, and bear in mind, you're, you, you know, you're going to look for a manager. And the, the first thing as a manager that, you're, that you will look at before you get involved at all is, is there actually an ambition internally within, within this entity itself, whether it be the team or the county board or the club management or whatever it is? Um, so that should be there. Um, but the, the next piece is the most important piece. Uh, and I suppose it is, well, if there is ambition there, how can we serve that ambition and get the best out of ourselves? Um, and, and that's the piece, um, you know, that that sort of, you know, that has sort of seems to have fell down here a little bit. And unfortunately, a lot of that is dictated by money, um, you know. And it, it, it's very naive to say that um, no, it's a voluntary organisation and all of those things, uh, because in reality, if you're talking about ambition, you are talking about high performance. If you were talking about high performance, you were talking about high performance from absolutely everybody, including your logistics person in your team, including your high county board, including your supporters. Absolutely everything needs to have a culture of high performance about that. And if we just drill down to that for a second, um, you're going to, there are some critical people here. Clearly, it's about hurling and your coaches and all that are crucial to you. But there are also critical backroom people here in if they're physios. Um, if they are uh, um, a nutritionist, your doctor, your medical people, your strength and conditioning person. And I've said this a number of times before on the show, Uli, these things don't work um, on their own. You know this, you know, we all know this, but sometimes it needs to get said. This is, a, this is all these are a cog in a bigger wheel. And when you see the top teams performing that's what you see i mean there was a famous picture um of the tipperary management team um uh, on, on one of the papers one of the time he was 30 or 31 or 32 in it i would absolutely say every one of them had a role in that argument in that team the one in all ireland um, and it's not no you don't need 30 people you don't need 40 people it's not that but you do need key people but the point i wanted to make is this those key people are professional people and there's no point in you talking about high performance unless you're going to bring in the very, very best people. And generally speaking, those professional people make their living between six and eight or nine in the evening time. You take a physiotherapist in private practice, find if he's working in a hospital or something like that, he might have different hours. But most of his time is going to be taken up in, in, um, in sessions with uh, people, we'll say from six to nine in the evening, because that's when people are off. 
Um, so you are now saying to him, uh, well, look, I want you to come in as a physiotherapist with Leash Hurling or with the Kenny Hurling or it doesn't make a difference who it's with. Um, but I need to reimburse you for the money that you're going to lose. And that's just one person. It's obviously the easy one for me to, me to explain. So that then brings you to a different issue. Do we have the finance to be able to support that? Um, and that's where the real issue is. And look, some counties are just generally in a poor situation. I'm talking about my own county leash here is the one I know most about. But you could apply this to an awful lot of the hurling counties that are maybe at the mid-tier at the minute or even at the Lord. They're not, there's no big industry in the county that you can say, you can go into them and you can say, will you sponsor our team to the tune of a million quid or something like that, similar to AIG or something like that. We don't have that. So we're not able to do that. So, but... I think the crucial thing in all of this is that that may not be there, but is everything else explored here? And I suppose, um, you know, what has actually happened in Leash? Look, it may very well be a good thing. You know, people do need to bury hatchets here and to move on. And and uh, clearly the important thing here is Leash Hurling and the Leash team are more important than personalities here. And the moving on, in my view, is probably two things. We need to fix things quickly here around the team um, and we need to fix the causes of why it happened here. If the issue was that there wasn't finance here to support a proper management team, to give the team the very, very best resource and the very, very best opportunity it could of winning matches, well, then we need to look at that and they need to look at alternatives. And I think the second part, it then sort of falls into that, finding the causes. Generally speaking, county boards look after these. Generally speaking, county boards are populated by volunteers. And I probably, I, I've been, I've said this before, and I'm not commenting on anybody's performance here, but the system of putting people into county boards is a democratic system, uh, which might have worked well up to 20 or 30 years ago, where volunteers uh, populate these jobs. They may have been the wrong people completely for it. This has completely changed in business life, in work life, in, in government organisations, you name it. There was a style of promotion in these places called seniority. It's dead. Now you select the right people for the job. And there's no, I, I do hear this said the whole time, other volunteers, you need to cut them a bit of slack here. Well, the full back on the leash hurling team or the Carlo hurling team or the goalkeeper and the carry hurling team is also a volunteer and we hold him to a pretty high accountability here and they're also volunteers. So I think it might be um, a good fork in the road for people to really think about the selection process for this and maybe go handpick people with right competencies that are able to deliver what's needed here um, rather than just relying on people who have gone through four or five years with their club and suddenly they're shoved into the county board and maybe the wrong people for that. I'm not saying they are, I'm not saying, saying they aren't. But, you know, clearly there has been a problem that has caused this that needs to get fixed here. And the third point, Holy, I would say is, I'm sorry, the point I wanted to make, I also make, this is a very difficult year. GA are very low in finances at the minute. There's no revenue coming in. There's no revenue stream coming in. And sometimes we've got to look at alternatives. How can we do things alternatively? And having explored all of those things, then if you can go to your county managing and say, look, here's where we are. We are who we are here. We have absolutely explored everything here. And, and here's our funding to be able to provide what we want to provide. And then, you know, maybe maybe at that stage, people need to come to an understanding of where they are at that stage. And the third point I would make, Willie, and I said on your show a year ago that I would never speak about this again, that at national level, this needs to be looked at 
about developing counties and Brian can certainly speak very very well about Offaly at the minute. I'm sure somebody from Carl could speak the same. They have done so. Um who answer one. This needs but I'm not going to go into that because you'll need about four shows to really to really get to the nub of that problem. Yeah. Well I suppose there's a there's a lot in that Brian and like I mean it's county boards being able to back a manager, but like are they unrealistic kind of expectations in that, you know, Limerick would have big backing. You know, big sponsorship backing. Like, is it realistic for Leash to get to their level of backing, or is it? You know, do you have to make do with what with what you have and make the best of what you have? Like, is is it a, a pipe dream to think that we c- it can be a level play, playing field financially across the board? I think it is, Wally. If we're being brutally honest, um, I think we see these inequalities <clears throat> not just in the GA. I think we see it in all sports in the world like we see it in the Premier League we see it in um, NFL we see it in the NBA so you know these are they are issues in all games and yeah, sometimes you do have to just cut your cloth to measure and uh, like I appreciate that there needs to be certain standards set and I, I fully agree with Cheddar in that regard you know the, the key things need to be in place in most counties. I think with the introduction of the GPA, I think from a player's perspective, a lot of these things have significantly improved and there's a lot more playing field from, um, you know, as I said, from the players in terms of expenses and gear and uh, meals after training because these were all issues, you know, when we were playing Woolly. You know, so thankfully, a lot of those things are sorted in terms of, you know, high performance and trying to make sure that you, you... you you pay like the physios and the strength and conditioning coaches and the, the hurling coaches and whoever else. Um, you know, like that does cost an awful lot of money. And I like it's it's very hard for these smaller counties. And I think, you know, Cheddar has obviously said it very, very well, you know, and we all know this that in certain counties there just is not that industry or or, or you know businesses within the county that um have the the money um to back them. And we also obviously have the vicious circle of you know, when the counties aren't as successful, people, you know, they're not just going to throw money away for nothing um, at, at the same time. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's it's very, very difficult. You know, you can understand why AIG come in and back Dublin. Like Dublin are a capital, they're the most successful team in, in the last 10 years in, in football. Um, they're the flagship team in terms of Gaelic football in Ireland. So, you know, and obviously it's the capital as well. So it's, it's you know, it's very, very easy to see why they go back to Like do spending caps and... All that sort of work, I don't think they will. It's no yeah. more than um, it's no more than trying to say that managers shouldn't be paid. Yeah, you know, we'll go underground. Of course, we'll go underground. Yeah, I'll go underground and supporters clubs in other ways. There'll always be ways of finding this. So it's it's not nice, you know. Will will it mean that certain teams can never catch up? It doesn't, you know. Um, it doesn't. But will will they ever have the same funds? They probably won't. And. It'll be few and far between, but we've seen it. We've seen it. I, I know I keep referring to Premier League, but it's probably the easy thing you can refer to it. But we did see Leicester come up and and you know produce magical year um, with much less spending power than say Man City or Chelsea or whoever at the time. So you know we're after seeing Tipperary footballers and Cavan footballers there at the weekend as well come and um, give magical performances too and winning you know their provincial titles. But to say that teams will stay at the top and actually dominate with the with the big teams on a consistent basis, it's very, very difficult to do that. Number one, from demographics, and number two, from a financial perspective. Yeah, no, it definitely is. It's it's an interesting one. Because they're obviously funding from games development funding to improve 
um, county, you know, are you hurling within the county? And that comes from the G and that's their responsibility. But there's also the spending on the senior hurling team, you know, which is kind of like county board. Um, and like, I mean, there, there is the argument, Cheddar, like, I mean, they, in their defence, they're volunteers. And it has to be pointed out that the, the Leash have an incredible centre of excellence. They have great facilities. And like, I mean, they deserve credit for that. There's some good people working there. There's some not so good people that work in there. They are volunteers. So when you're looking at these things above and beyond to raise funds, do these people have the, the time, you know, the knowledge, the expertise, like the point you're making, I suppose, Cheddar. And we've talked about it on the show before about maybe putting in a full time professional in there. And suddenly the county boards might be self-sufficient and they might have the expertise to go out and put a plan together and go to businesses and go to, you know, people outside and kind of build up the least GA brand. You know, and that's a marketing, you know, professional. There's loads. There's loads of ways this is falling down, I suppose, Cheddar. And there is, and like, there's other complexities here as well. Um, you know, I'm glad that it's Brian's on the show. You know, he's comes from a dual county as well. Um, you know, so you have those added complexities and those added tensions into it. Um, but I, I suppose, you know, have we? Um, and look, people need to be very, very clear on this as well. Um, there are certain fundamentals that's needed in management of a sports team, any sports team. But at the minute, we're talking about hurling. Um, that if you don't have in place, then don't start talking about closing gaps on top teams uh, or anything like that, because you won't, because those other top teams have moved off into the distance and they'll continually move off into the distance by improving themselves. Um, and my last point to make on it is this. Um, have we done enough to raise the funds to support this? Um, and I'm talking about how we went and robbed the bank, if it was to go to the end of the earth here or, or the end term on this, uh, and find what we need to do with this. I don't think we are anywhere near that. Th- that's, I think, the, 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 the real issue here, because I think until you have explored all of that, you kind of come out and say then that we don't have the funds to do this. I think that needs to be, to be explored. But I think to, to do that needs really smart, competent people about how to work around that. I think there's a secondary point there, and that's what I'm talking about. That third, you know, the third point of time with the national development and that. I think if it, if you're in a county that has the ability to be able to explore proper sponsorship, as some counties have done, well, is there not a need then uh, for a, a competition authority type uh, approach to it, whereby you know the counties that don't have that ability need a further leg up from from company funds or from GA funds and so on, and so on. You know, people need to make some tough and hard decisions on that and not be swayed by just county votes and all of this thing. If the genuine uh, um, uh, thing here or the objective is to try and grow hurling to a 10, 12, 14 uh, All-Ireland Championship or 32 County All-Ireland Championship, whatever that is over a period of time, well, then there needs to be different strategies to look at that. But I'll just yeah. finish on the one point, uh, Wooly that you know the, the people with the most influence here is your county board and that's just the way it is that's the structure that we've got to deal with here are they doing enough to make sure that this happens and i will even throw this out here for discussion is it priority to have a fantastic physical uh, um, uh, center of excellence and not have a fantastic uh, a management team and development plan for hurling your county. What's the priority? I know what mine would be. And I know there was a fantastic book a number of years ago where somebody went around and explored what makes some of these um, 
uh, countries great. I think they looked at New Zealand, they looked at hockey in Canada. They also looked at athletics in Kenya and that particular brother who did this. And the last thing that they prioritized in all of those places was physical facilities. They spent money on the, the development of their people and the development of their players. And I think we need to look at that. And I'm going to finish on this, uh, Woolly. Did we need to spend 80 million on Corky, Party Keeve, or is it now 120 million? Would that not have been better? And this is a Cork issue. Would this would that not have been better spending money on on a, a fantastic coaching and development structure in Cork or wherever? It makes no difference. And of course, Woolly, that raises another issue about over budgeting because you might spend an awful lot of money in your county team this year and then be completely spent for the next 10 years. You can't do that either. So we need to be pragmatic and have common sense about this but i do think we do really need to look at this and have different priorities about what's important here yeah no definitely we'll have to move off that lads you could actually do a full show on all that kind of stuff um to be honest but we have two huge semi-finals i can't wait for these um they're going to be fantastic i'm going to crook park on sunday and i can't wait for galway limerick we're going to start there i don't know what it is about semi-finals brian but i remember last year the two semi-finals were classics i remember the year before they were classics as well. I'm even looking back, that was the Galway, Clare, Replay and Cork Limerick. And last year, as we remember, remember well, Limerick and uh, Kilkenny and Wexford and Tipperary. And then I'm thinking back to being in Turles for the replay the year before between Waterford and Kilkenny for a number. I don't know what it is about all our semi-finals, but it brings out the best in, in the hurling season. Yeah, uh, look, I suppose it could be very simply put that it's the cream has risen to the um, top, in fairness. Um, so you have probably four four informed teams. You don't just end up in semi-finals by, by luck of the draw. And, you know, they're having an absolute cut off each other and it tends to be um, just magnificent occasions, you said. Now, we were lucky, obviously, in the last number of years that we had huge crowds um, and they obviously added to the occasion, but... I can tell you firsthand, I was in Limerick last uh, Saturday for the Ireland quarterfinal between Tipperary and Galway, and there was no crowd there, but I was just as captivated. I was getting carried away on the radio. It was just magical to be actually there. So I do envy you going on Sunday, I have to say. You're, you're, turning, into, you're turning into a John Milan now on the radio, are you? <laughs> well, you couldn't but be when you're, when you're watching that game. Like, it was just, you know, it was, to me, it was epic. Um, maybe it's, purely hurling um, shades on me but uh, I just thought it was a fantastic game and uh, you know end to end stuff and the, and the goals obviously met it and it was real cut and trust the championship hurling and huge amount of talking points and all those sort of things so yeah I think I think we're in for the same at the weekend whether there's a crowd or not I think um, we're in for two crackers we are. Like, I mean, another little subplot to this cheddar is that uh, Shane O'Neill and John Kiley are good friends. They've played together since they were um, 14 years of age. You know, it's just a small little subplot. But the other one is that Shane O'Neill would obviously know the Napiershig lads very well. And David Dempsey, Peter Casey, there's eight of them. Uh, Willie O'Donoghue, Connor Boylan, uh, Jerome Boylan, Adrian Breen and Mike Casey, who's injured. And I'm thinking of Napiershig, whatever pub they drink in and Limerick have won the All-Ireland and Shane O'Neill sitting in with Shane Dowling and a few of the Napiershig lads maybe the week after and he's picking their brain not thinking in the future he's going to be managing Galway against them in an all-around semi-final and he knows everything about the Limerick game plan because he's curious and the lads are in a social capacity and they're telling him because they, they know him and they like him like Shane O'Neill was talking about knowing the players saying it might be a hint he said uh, we would know the players but that may be a hindrance in that you might have preconceived ideas about players so he was playing it down but surely Shane O'Neill would know very very well how Limerick operate? Um, 
Yes, look, he would, um, naturally enough. And I think Shane, uh, first of all, I think it's interesting, you know, I think Shane and John, you know, they're, they're, they're two um, very steady people, um, you know, that I think to come across, you know, very, very sound people as such. Uh, is the first point I'd like to make. And the second point is, is Shane's point. You know, it could it may, it may be a strength, it could very well be a weakness. But to be honest with you, Willie, I don't think it makes any difference because the level of awareness of the opposition, including the level of awareness on players individually now at this stage, would be of such height that whether you were living down the street from from William O'Donoghue or not wouldn't make any difference. You know, you'll have all of that video analysis done, or at least I would expect at that level that they would have it done. Um, so I, I, I think I, I don't think that's as as big an issue as it's made up. It's a media issue, to be honest with you. I think the level of awareness and the knowledge on opposition and all of that, um, you know, is of such now that you know whether you're living in the parish or not makes no difference. Uh, but really play in a certain way and I've, and I've, I've tweeted a little bit over the last couple of years um but I, I probably think that Galway have the the you know the way Galway set up um have the probably a very very good game plan to be able to outdo Limerick and that and you know what was really interesting the last day on I, I'd say it's difficult to actually form opinions on games looking at it on the television because you don't see things. And I'd be very interested to hear what Brian um, has said, you know, being at the matches. And an interesting, Woody, then how the bloody hell you got to Croke Park next Sunday or next Saturday. But anyway, that's, that's a fight about it. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, I, listen, I applied for an accreditation like everybody else and that's it. I got one. Listen, you, you know that I'm a big, a big voice in the hurling world now, so I'm bound to get into these important games. <laughs> um, what's interesting, and that hasn't been said at all, I mean, there was absolute blue murder about Derek McGrath playing sweepers and all of that um, uh, for three or four or five years. And there's not a word when Galway set up with a sweeper, or as it turns out, Tipperary had to adjust and play a sweeper and so on and so on. Or Kenny had to had to play a sweeper. Um, you know, there's not a word about it now when some of the stronger counties actually do that. But I do think I was really interested that Galway changed their team, not necessarily changed their team, which they did, but they also changed their method of play the last day against Tipperary to good effect, I would I would I would have thought, Brian. Um, and it'll be if if they're able to do that in such a short space of time. I think they'll be able to do some things to really work on the Limerick game plan as well. Yeah, I found it very interesting that they obviously started David Burke and put him straight back into the sweeper position. And and you're right, like Galway now have played a sweeper in the last two games, you know, against Kilkenny, played Park Mannion there, and now against Tipperary they played David Burke there. But interestingly, it just shows how ruthless Shane O'Neill his backroom team is that they whipped David Burke at half time, and that was tactical. And the same with Johnny Cohen. So the boys played into stiff enough breeze in that first half, and Shane O'Neill wasn't happy, obviously, the Maybe the stats were coming in that they weren't happy with their possession or use of possession or whatever. Um, and, you know, the two boys got whipped. So that just shows the the, the type that they're, they're playing. Um, you know, yeah, like I, I found it interesting even watching the Sunday game analysis the other night saying, you know, that Tipperary were playing playing the sweeper. They were, they were forced to play a sweeper because they had a spare defender, you know, because obviously um, they're not going to not play six backs. Um in especially in in this type of weather, so it was it was interesting from that perspective that, that wasn't kind of put forward that way. Um, Tipperary didn't want to set up with the sleeper. It was the way that Galway obviously set up. Yeah, um, you know, and in the second half, they probably reverted back to a more Galway reverted back to a more traditional style of of you know more or less fifteen players in 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 the same position. At that stage, Park Mannion probably dropped a bit deeper, but uh, not necessarily playing as an out and out sweeper. 
That's one thing, though, uh, Brian, about um, Galway now versus Galway versus Limerick in 2017 is if we knew exactly how Galway were going to play back in 2017. You know, they had a very defined style based on big men, long cookouts, kind of a long ball game, Johnny Glynn, you know, all these kind of things. Didn't no real surprises kind of were jumping out at you. They'd been all Ireland champions the year before and it was almost like if it's not broke, don't fix it. Now I'm not sure how they're going to do. You know what I mean? They're 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 much more flexible tactically than they were. And like, I mean, that's going to be a concern from a Limerick point of view. Yeah, and, and like if you look at their players, you know, even their backs are not fixed either. You know, like, you know, uh, Grodmack and Ernie's able to play in the full back line just as easy as in the half back line, whether centre back or wing back. The same with Fintan Burke, same with Shane Cooney. Um, Dotty Burke can go anywhere, obviously, as well. Park Mannions can go from half back to midfield. So it is, it's very, very difficult to actually analyse their team and say um, where they're going to be. But one thing I think Tipperary got wrong the last day, and um, I'm not, not being overly critical of the player, but playing Niall O'Mara. Um, in defence worked against Cork but playing Niall Amara Manmark and Cottle Mannion seemed a very very strange decision and it didn't work last week um, you know Cottle Mannion's a very very elusive type player we, look we rave about him on loads of occasions um, he's a big player for Galway he's he's very very difficult to tie down um, and Niall Amara obviously uh, is a very good hurler excellent and does a lot of good stuff for Tipperary probably underrated a little bit Um but being a, an out-and-out man marker um, just seemed a strange decision from Lean Sheedy last week. Yeah, no, maybe, maybe it did. Ch- Cheddar, yeah, and I, it was hard to tell on the television just as well you were there that it was O'Mara that was on Mannion um, that day because, you know, it's like when you're watching hurling on the television now that everything's kind of, you know, positions are so fluid within the middle third, it's hard to tell who's picking who up. Yeah, it's very, it's very, very difficult to play and you're dead right. It's only when you're there. Like, it's very hard to... To analyze the game, so Willie, I don't begrudge you going at the weekend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you can get accreditation, I don't begrudge anyone. I think Cheddar's um, a little bit jealous now, by the sounds of it. Yeah, I was about to say, if you're applying in future, you can get myself and Cheddar two passes as well <laughs> while you're at it. Come here, Cheddar. Just to make you even more jealous, Cheddar, that I'm going on Sunday and, and you're watching on television, here's a few matchups that I'm going to be seeing in the flesh Dotty Burke versus Aaron Galan, Joe Cooney versus Garod Hegarty, Sean Finn versus Connor Whelan. Cahill Mannion or Joe Cannon versus Declan Hannon. Fintan Burke versus Tom Morrissey. Podrick Mannion versus Keane Lynch. Now, that might not definitely happen. It could be Johnny Cohn, but someone will mark Keane Lynch. Like, I mean, this is really a clash of two heavyweight uh, sluggers. Yes, it is. Um, and it's going to be very, very much about winning matchups, I think. Um, and I think Galway have an edge here. Um, and, you know, if you look at it, uh, you know, the Limerick game plan works a lot, it depends a lot on the uh, work rate of Garoad Hegarty, Hegarty and Tom Morrissey going up the wings and, and make themselves available for ball. Uh, but it also depends a lot on their physicality and aggressiveness uh, to be able to win ball and that, and their athleticism. Uh, but Fintan Burke and Joe Coney are two fair operators as well. And, well, and as Joe Coney showed the last day, that when he was an opportunity and was given a license to go forward, it hurt the other teams. Yeah. Um, so all have back line in its physique and that is well able to match uh, the Limerick half hour line, and it'd be interesting, you know, they're the things that I'm going to be really, really interested to see. I think there's two, there's, there's a couple of big things here that I think if they fall one way or the other for each team, will might mean a, a big difference. I think Galway have been much better with Aiden Hart back there, and that's not just because he scored a goal. Um, uh, you know, Loftus had a hard time, I um, mean, his time will come. Uh, but I'd also say on the other side that, you know, 
is Shane, has Shane Cooney the pace um, at this level for all Ireland semi-final and final? Um, you know, so far I haven't seen it. He's a very, very steady hurler, but you already have a, a warrior swashbuckling full back and Dahi Burke. Do you need a really quick uh, Ollie Canning style hurler around him now to be able to mop up the place that's going to come around there? I yeah. think you will need that, and I think they'll definitely need it on, on Saturday. Are you Graham McCahey and Peter Casey? Peter Casey needs serious watching. Um, and, you know, that, that Shane is a very forceful, uh, hard hurler. Uh, but maybe that's not the type of person that's needed here. Because if Burke takes Gillan, there's going to be breaks here. Here's two heavyweights having to go one another. There's going to be breaks. And you need quickness and really sharp hands to mop up that ball. And so I'd worry about that. Equally on the other side, and I think these are all... Uh, this is on the other side for Galway, that uh, Cahill, Whelan and Brian Concanon, if that's the way they work out full, and if they isolate uh, Dan Morrissey and, and Barry Nash and takes Sean Finn out to the corner, wherever to take him, so that he's not able to give the support play to that full back line, that's a weakness for Limerick that we've seen so far. Now, that could change. There might be a different team there the next day. Um, but, but they're the things I'm looking at, and I do think that Johnny Cohen is the ideal. He's originally a cornerback. I remember playing a poor KJ against us, 13 or 14. He was a cornerback, maybe wing back at that stage. He has defensive qualities about how to look after the likes of Keane Lynch and that. Um, I, I would think that, that would go, he would go man to man there. So there's some really interesting uh, matchups, um, you know, in terms of how we might actually, how the game might unfold. Yeah, you definitely make a good point on Shane Cooney. He won't fancy marking um, either of the two corner forwards, either Casey or Mulcahy. What about the sweeper, uh, Brian? Because you mentioned the sweeper. Surely a sweeper for Galway this weekend, like an extra defender, would be counterproductive given that they will give Limerick Declan Hannan, you know, completely free for a free roll where she will revel in. Whereas I would be looking at the fact that Declan Hannan won't doesn't really mark his man, he marks space. And maybe Joe Canning could run a muck on that, like Tony Kelly, you know, did, or, or Cahill Mannion. Or, you know, would Galway be be thinking they're being conservative, but actually mess up their own attacking game plan by playing the sweeper? Yeah, I'm not so sure that they will actually play a sweeper, because if um, we go back and analyse the reason to use a sweeper against Kilkenny, would have been that they felt that Kilkenny were most um, most uncomfortable playing against the sweeper and yeah. especially as I said the last day trying to work the the, the sharp hookouts down through the line so they felt that that was a weakness Kilkenny and that's how they would exploit it and they more or less did in fairness for most of that game um, and then the last day they set up the sweeper in the first half because as I said they were into a strong breeze so yeah. that, that that was my thinking on why they set up sweeper so I, I don't think they will actually do so at the weekend now look I think this is you've, you've touched on this point this is the beauty of what Shane O'Neill has done with this Galway team right now is it's very very difficult to tell what they're going to do and it's very difficult to tell what personnel they've on the field now Shane Cooney has done well to date but as I just touched on earlier as well Shane O'Neill is not afraid to make hard decisions and I think because of that we might actually see Loftus coming in the corner back because obviously he has that pace that unbelievable pace that's needed and he might pick up either Graham McClatty or, or um, you know Peter Casey in that situation yeah, no, that that could that could happen. All right. The thing about the the sweeper as well, Cheddar, is that if you give Limerick the spare man, you're just making it hard on yourselves because they'll be flicking it around between each other to get into. You know what I mean? You you need to leave none of their men free, if at all possible, rather than actually hand them one at the back. No, I, I, I agree with Brian. I don't think I'll see a sweeper, but you might see uh, you know an extra player in the middle of the field, you know, as a sort of either a defensive midfielder or maybe an attacking midfielder, you know, moving in. Not not similar to what Carl used a couple of years ago. Um, you know, so you might see somebody like that, and some of the times to do that, it is 
to make, is to make the opposition uncomfortable. So you might want to take uh, Sean Finn out of the out of the corner back. So you might you know you might be going in in and out. You're not out the whole time. That he that that limit decided to do something um, you know to do something to neuter what you're doing, which will make it difficult. Now you're isolating Tom, Dan Morrissey and Barry Nash inside on Concannon. You might do something that and try for a while. Gall would definitely have the ability to do that. I don't think you'll see an out and out sweeper. Um, as such, um, uh, now Limerick, it, strangely enough, in, in this year, are playing a, a, a lot more direct ball into the three inside men. I don't mean direct as in on top of them, uh, but really, really good quality ball into them when they're really, really going well. Uh, but I, I, if you were to say, ask me straight out, do I expect to see Galway play with a sweeper, as in sweeper working off the edge of the D? No, I don't. I, don't, I, 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 I certainly think that he'd be probably, he'd be, he'd be probably, he'd be no use to you there, to be honest with you, against Limerick. Yeah, no problem. Here's one quick one, uh, Brian, is that, like, I mean, Delhi Burke versus Aaron Galan is one everybody be looking forward to, and they're both great fetchers. But w- could we see Limerick, tr- like, pull a surprise and start Seamus Flanagan, uh, maybe, who gave Delhi Burke all sorts of different problems in the All Ireland final that year, ran him all over left and right, and his movement really um, was something Delhi Burke. Delhi Burke would probably relish the kind of wrestle on the edge of the square with Galan. No, I don't think they will, being honest now, because I, I just think that we saw Limerick and the strength of their bench again in that Munster final. You know, Waterford had troubled them right up to that second water break. Um, and then obviously they were able to, to bring in the strength and depth. And Seamus Flanagan came on and hurled well. Um, Pat Ryan came in and hurled well, and a couple more as well, along with that. So I just don't, I can't imagine Limerick um, changing too much in terms of their, their personnel and the starting 15. Now, Look, obviously, again, John Kiley's not afraid to, to to run the changes from that perspective, but I just think that full forward line that they have at the moment is, is top class. Um, you know, so I just, it, it'd, be a, it'd be a huge uh, change and then they'll be losing that, that element of bringing one of those players on. I can't imagine any of those three in the full forward line moving out to the half forward line. There is maybe a spot if Keane, you know, Keane Lynch goes back to midfield, there is maybe a spot there somewhere because David Reedy started there the last day at centre forward. So, there might be one spot up for grabs, but I still can't, cannot see them not starting that, that three men inside. They've got to back what they have, and what they have is top class, and it's getting them places at the moment, obviously, and um, I, I, I just think they'll back it once again. Right. Here's, a, here's another thing on the puckouts, Cheddar, that, like, I mean, for Galway, because Limerick are almost getting at the, the stage of Dublin in the football, where I don't really talk about Dublin that much. I talk about what other teams can do, you know, to counteract them, rather than we kind of know what, how Limerick kind of work. Here's the thing Waterford kind of uh, showed us, in that they conceded a puckout and then retreated off the full back line. Like, I mean, say, for example, if any of the Limerick full back line have the ball, are you not better off back off them, back off them, let them come out with it and come out with it rather than commit yourself and now you're in no man's land? Whereas if you're backing off and backing off, you're making the pitch smaller, you know, you're cutting down space for the half forward line to come in for that love and Keen Lynch to come in for that lovely short ball. And only would you come near the Limerick full back line if they're, you know, get out past the 45 and they're potentially in scoring distance. You know, Limerick wouldn't be encouraging their full back line to be shooting. Would it confuse Limerick, the point I'm making, to take that short stick pass option away from them by actually backing off them instead of rushing in? Um, it, it, it all depends on the team. You, need, you really need to look at the resources, particularly in their full back line, how they're going to process the ball out. But I would I'd be very very surprised at this at this level if that would work for you, Woody. Um, and you look, you, you may hedge, so you know you might you might hedge and give it to the cornerback. Um, 
um, and then he puts the ball in his hurry and he makes he makes ground and then you use shimmy to go to him but you don't actually go in, the, go in for the tackle so you force him to take it to hand now he's got to hit it uh, otherwise now he's got to bounce the ball off the ground and take the hand again so you, you do lots of little things like that but ultimately you'll probably push up on that if you think it's hurting you too much and i think in hurling i mean you just look at um you know, so you pop that pass to, to Sean Finn, he makes 10 meters, sucks in your tackler, and then pops the ball to Dermot Burns. He is now in shooting territory. It's different than Gaelic football in that. It has happened. We all do it. We all get our players to hedge in the middle, drop back a man, and sometimes that's a defensive game because when you go long, then your wing forwards have time enough to be able to get under the ball to break and ball the other side. And cool have done that brilliantly in two All-Irelands. Um, but it, it, you need to be able to change that up and go full court press if you wanted to actually do that. I'll just go back to the one point, Brian. I do think Limerick will do something in their full forward line. If not necessarily uh, using two players, they may use the players differently. And I thought in in when Limerick won the All-Ireland, the early part of the, the development of their team completely centred around the movement of Seamus Flanagan off the ball. And some of it was real decoy running. Um, and, and, and it was very, very cleverly done that he might actually stand out to the sideline and Limerick would find him because they had that, you know, they had that real front foot hurling off the half-back line. They'd find him and he was good in doing that. But I do think Limerick will do something. They will not just go head-to-head. If they can isolate McCahey and Casey on Shane Coney and Aidan Hart and they get Dahi Burke to, to follow Aaron Galan out to the sideline or Seamus Flanagan out to the sideline or interchange like that. I, I think if Limerick get something right there, they will bother Galway. Do you think, Brian? Yeah, no, yeah. look, I, I, I fully agree that they will, they're not going to play straightforward. Off. They're always thinking that they're always trying to find some sort of um, angle for which they can hurt the opposition. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to hurl it straight down the field in terms of that. They, they do tend to le- try and leave two inside and one one isolated. But the point I was probably making was the fact that I, I don't think they'll change the three players that they have in there at the moment in Graham McCatty, Aaron Galan and um, Peter Casey. I just think those three will start and it won't be Seamus Flanagan starting in this role. So, no, obviously, all, everything can be seen on Sunday, but I, yeah. I fully agree with the point that they, they're very hard to tie down. They're very hard to see um, what what they're doing tactically and they always seem to have an ace in the hand as well. Okay, lads, I have to get predictions off you because we're tight for time and we need to do some time on the other semi-final as well. Um, predictions and just throw into your prediction on whether Galway need to go for goals or not. Uh, Cheddar, I'll start with you because they got two kind of half chances against Tip and went for them. It's not something we really associated with Galway. Can they outpoint Limerick? Um, I, I think they can. I, I think it's more basic than that, though. You know, can they get the edge in the game and have the, the type of team to get on the field to really disrupt Limerick and cause them problems in the way they play and make them look ordinary? Because we've seen times this year and the last couple of years when Limerick looked very slick and very, very good. But a lot of that time was that the Limerick game plan completely was on top of the other of the other game, the opposition game plan. I think Galway will be able to disrupt that enough to cause a lot of problems. There's some worrying things, Brian, and you might be able to explain this. Galway's used to the ball with the extra man the last 15 minutes I thought was quite poor. Did they, did they get the extra man into space? Yes, when they got the goal, but you know, was it enough um, around that 15, 20 minutes? I, I didn't think it was. Um, but I, I just think that they have enough... Um, things in their, in their team and enough uh, right people in the right places to, to disrupt Limerick and I do think that they'll sneak through. Look, it's going to be very, very close. It's, it's a one point either way but I think that Galway might just get through on that. Okay, quickly, Brian. 
Um, I will go for Limerick. I just think they're a step above everyone at the moment. They, as I said, tactically, they're very astute. They're on the crest of a wave. They're very, very hungry after last year. Um, and they obviously try, want to win this Ireland back-to-back. So I just find, especially when we saw in the Munster final, they were disrupted for long periods that game by Waterford. But they just have a, a phenomenal bench. And I just think they will do just about enough. But I agree with Cheddar. I think, um, it, you know, I know every game's hard call. Call with team should not be underestimated going into this game at the weekend. But as I said, I think Limerick just about have enough. Yeah, it's going to be a classic. I'll go for Limerick as well in that, and we'll come back and we'll look at the other semi final. I'd never be allowed to go off in eight and have a shite like him and go off a slob or whatever. Like I was always doing a bit. All I remember is I thought I was going to get clobbered in the way in there. I threw the ball up in there. I don't know. It was, it was pure luck, no terms. Pure luck. Ah, uh, but fucking bullshit. Have you seen yourselves? All right, Kilkenny Waterford lads in Croke Park on Saturday. And I just want to quickly touch on this before we, we talk about the matches. Fergal Horgan is appointed here as referee. Now, like, I mean, Liam Sheedy was given out about Johnny Murphy refereeing the Tipperary Galway game because he was a Munster man. Now, whether you think that's fair or not, would you think, um, Cheddar, that the appointment of Fergal Hor- Horgan, a Tipperary man, um, Liam Cal is a Tipperary man. There might be a rivalry between Kilkenny and Tipperary. Am I reading too much into this? Is this unfair in referees? Or like, should there not referees be picked that even any sort of conversation like this would arise? Um, I think it's made up by media, Uli, um, and I'm kind of delighted you on this one here. <laughs> um, I think Fergal Horgan is a, a very, very strong referee. I love what he does, lets the game flow more to the time and as much as he can. Um, I think he will have no favouritism whatsoever against anybody. Um, but I think I, th- I think there's a separate thing there just for the optics of this and just for public opinion and all of that. Um, was there somebody else that could have refereed at this level that could have refereed this match um, and that was, you know, that was completely neutral as such? I, I haven't looked at it. Maybe there wasn't. But I do think, Woody, one other thing, somebody mentioned this in some media article recently, um, you know, for a number of years there, we had four or five really top referees around the country for, you know, Heather from Wexford, Westmead, and so, and so on and so on. I just don't think, and I'm not hurling here, I just don't think we have that number at the minute. Um, and I think maybe from the fourth uh, referee up to the tenth, um, you know, maybe it may not be at the level that we would like to see for this type of match. And I think, you know, referee a little bit too much to rule rather than, you know, letting the game flow and, you know, what we would like to see in that. Yeah, maybe that's it. What do you think of that about that, Brenna? I remember us having some issues with a referee around a big game last year, something similar to this. Yeah, like, look, I, I think the GA have been slowly over the last couple of years trying to erode that whole county bias that people have down through the years associated with um, with referees, you know, and they, they tend to see, well, look, these referees are extremely professional. Um, this whole county bias is slowly but surely um, starting to know be gone out with a game and that and that's what they're kind of setting their their um their, their master at this stage you know and, and they're just going going ahead with it but so what you're saying is this is an old school kind of gripe rather than like because the you're just reminding me that the lads on monday were saying paddy stapleton said referees have their own ambitions and they want to get finals and the idea that a referee wouldn't do it fairly and ruin their own chances doesn't make sense and you know exactly exactly and i think look i think GA have accepted that I think the vast majority of people accepted that so like I think Liam Sheedy was 
really his, his main issue is he probably wasn't happy overall with the officiating. Now, Martin Kiley, who I was doing the radio with last week, he said that this was Johnny Murphy's uh, first game of the year. And now I don't have the stats in that, but I'm just going off what he said. And if that's true, well, that's not good enough that in an Ireland quarterfinal, the first game you referee for the year is is that particular game. Because we know the pressure that um, that the, that's referees are under in these games and how how big a game it was between Galway and Tipperary that it had gone down to the wire on a number of um, occasions. You know, there was only one point between them in, in, the, in the last three games and obviously this one, it was two points. So it was a very, very big game to give to a referee when he hadn't refereed already this year. I would have more an issue with that than actually uh, where, you know, where uh, Johnny Murphy was actually from. And he got a couple of calls wrong um, he was saved by his, his linesman, Sean Stack, at one stage. And that was great to see, being honest, because, um, you know, that was a, a bad call where he, he, I think it was Shane Cooney, blew for catching the ball three times, but Sean Stack inter, in, um, interceded and made sure that the ball was thrown in instead of a free. Um, so, yeah, it was um, it was tough. But look, it, it ain't simple. And I know you probably discussed um, in Lent about the sending offs. Like, it's, ah, yeah. it's very, very hard. It's very hard. The, the, maybe the analysis um, on referees is very, very difficult at the moment. You know, it's not helped when Don Logue Cusa comes out on Sunday game asking Johnny Murphy in particular to explain his decisions. I think he could have maybe had that a little bit wider and said that maybe referees in general it might be something that they might look at because we see it in other games like in Aussie Rules where the referee might um, and uh, and actually rugby league in Australia where the referees yeah. will just will explain their decisions and that's a a very very quick thing that can be done and I suppose it just gives clarity to everyone at home. You know, you can agree or disagree, but it gives clarity. So yeah, I I, I think. Don Logue's wider point was was good, but maybe not. The, maybe the maybe just singling out Johnny from that perspective. Okay, Stephen Bennett has do, has been doing media during the week, lads, and it's just this is just fantastic stuff from a player in the lead up to an honor semi final. Because I'm a little bit, I'm very interested in Liam Cal and what his secrets are, you know, and what kind of message he gives and all those kind of things. And this is just brilliant, I thought. So he says, you'd, this is Stephen Bennett talking. He says, you'd be there in training at the start of the year. You'd get the ball, turn your man and shoot over from the sideline. And you think you've done great. But the next thing they're giving out to you because he didn't go directly at the goal. It's a new thing for us, but it's actually brilliant. And I was just thinking about that going, like how often do you know, points over your shoulder from the side and actually go over. And that's the message to Liam Cal. Stop doing that. Let's start going direct. And so Stephen continues on <clears throat> and he says, another thing is if you hit the ball to a teammate's feet, they'll crack up and kill you. Because, uh, but, if you but if you hit it so hard that it flies past them, they actually don't care. They talk about honest mistakes and they won't care if you're making honest mistakes. Like, isn't that funny again, Cheddar? You're looking at, here's the message. Take them on, take them on. And like, I mean, if you're given a, if you're given a pass... And you're given you're given a pass that goes to hand, and you miss. Nothing will be said to you. Whereas if you give a little scuttery one along the ground, they'll hop off you. You know what I mean? You're getting some little idea of what Liam Cal's kind of message is to them. Uh, look, I, I, I'd be surprised about that. You know, first of all, you know, it's just common knowledge. Um, you know, we, we we practice ball to hand, ball to feet. Um, you know, in terms of moving the ball between players and that. So clearly, it just makes sense that if you can strike the hand, he has the hand, the ball in the hand, he's on the move, he's facing the goals, he can take the shot if that's what you want. It just makes sense to do that. But I wouldn't rule out striking the ball to feet uh, because you could be in a close situation where you can't get the ball away and yeah. players. And look, Patrick Horgan and all of the top players can take the ball, the hand off the floor or off the, or off the air, no matter what, as quick and as efficiently. So I would be surprised that they banned that. I'm not surprised that they banned 
um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that there's a little bit more sophistication than what's, about what's been said here from Liam, that they're banning that sort of hit and hope ball up the ground. That, that's a different ball. But in terms of a, a strike, um, any player at this level is one touch the hand on the move, and they'll probably touch the ball the hand when they're turning, as Patrick does, and he's, he's back on already. So, And there's a lot of times you will want to put the ball to space. I mean, we spoke a minute ago about the Limerick full forward line. Peter Case, Casey and Mulcahy, you put the ball three metres either side of them, and you're in serious trouble as a defender. You put the ball to hand, and then you're asking them to turn around, eyeball you, and beat you. Well, you know, try and take on Conor Prunty or try and take on um, uh, the ball full back and try and eyeball him and go by his shoulder. Not as easy to do. But if you put the ball to the side of him and he takes it on the run and you've already broke, he's tackled by taking the ball to hand. Now it's a much different thing. So I, I, I think there might be more context to what was said here. And, you know, this might have been something that was said in the media article, but didn't, didn't supply the context around it. Right, okay. You seem to have a serious problem with the media cheddar. That's all I'm saying. So, like, I'm not going to get very defensive. Very de- now, we're, now we're twisting Stephen Bennett's words here. <laughs> come here, come here. We have to, we, we want to move on to Kilkenny here quickly. And, like, I mean, I have down here Kilkenny have become unpredictable and not unpredictable in the manner that Galway have become unpredictable in a good way. Kilkenny have become unpredictable in, in that I do, we don't know what Kilkenny are going to show up. Is it going to be the team that were outplayed by Galway for 50 minutes, the team that were outplayed by Dublin for half a game or the team that blew Dublin out of the water and the team that came back from the dead against Galway, Brian? Yeah, there is a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde going on, I suppose. You can definitely accept that point. And yet, they're in All-Ireland semi-final unbeaten. So, um, Brian Cody will be quite happy with that. Uh, Walter Walsh, Colin Fenley didn't hurl well the last day. Will both of them survive? I think Fenley will for definite. Walter Walsh maybe might get another chance, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's not on the starting 15 at the weekend. You know, Paddy Deegan was out the last day. He should be should be returning. So, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. Um, will Billy Ryan get back in? You know, hard to know as well. So, you know, Kenny certainly as well. You just never know what way they're going to pick their team, even from starters. You know, will they start TJ full forward and Colin a corner? Or, you know, this, they're really good that way as well. It's very, very hard to, to predict what they're actually doing. Um, you know, Martin Keown, I thought, was excellent in that Leinster final. Uh, he's direct running, he's work rate. His selflessness, everything. Very unlucky for a goal, obviously, as well. Probably should have carried it another couple of yards to make sure of it. But um, he was he was excellent. But like the one thing, they have got better and a lot more comfortable with dealing with short ball. Um, the, the congestion in the middle of the field, they don't... Um, well, this year, from what I've seen, they don't lump the ball up the field as much. Now, the other side of that is that loses the threat of Colin Fenley, who likes, obviously, direct you know, long direct ball. He's able to manage a lot of fullbacks. Um, you know, he'll be a man scorned at the weekend. He'll be looking for a lot of early ball um, to try and get, get him on the ball and, and maybe bring back that, you know, almost unstoppable play that he has over the last number of years for both Ballyhale and for, for Kilkenny. So it's interesting, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a style of mixes that they're probably, um, or a mix of styles that they're doing um, much better um, you know, over the last couple of games, but they probably still haven't found their groove or one that probably suits them entirely. But uh, as I said, to give them some bit of reprieve against Galway, they were probably forced into hurling um, a little bit more unorthodox than they probably would have wanted it themselves. So as I said, from the outside, Cody has this team in Ireland semi-final. People not really bigging up their chances. You know, a lot of people give them all of the huge chance, and rightly so. 
But um, you know, before Kilkenny would have been seen as you know hot favourites for this game at the weekend, and uh, Cody probably has a stick to beat them with, even though they won the Leicester final over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, is there an argument, Cheddar, that Kilkenny's kind of going through the lines, messes up Walter Walsh, who might be dependent on kind of more direct ball? I know I don't think so. I think Walter, Walter Walsh is a very skillful hurler. He's a huge man, uh, but a very very skillful hurler in that as well. Look, I, I think it's more that he has just lost form at the minute, and particularly for Colin Fenley. Colin Fenley has just lost form for a minute, and there's probably reasons for that. He's had two long years, uh, two fantastic years with Ballyhale, um, and that as well. And I think the other thing that 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 um, Ballyhale play a certain type of ball to Colin Fenley, which is incredibly effective, and it's not a dropper and it's not defeat. It's that type of tra- trajectory ball that he's able to use his upper body strength to hold you off and take it to hand. It's nearly that ball to hand that Liam Cahill is talking about or that, that um, um, Stephen Bennett was talking about in that article. And when that happens, and Ballyhale played a huge amount of that to Colin and hugely effective to him, Kilkenny don't seem to play that type of ball. And it may very well be that you just simply wouldn't get away with a one-trick pony type game like that at inter-county level. I mean, you put that type of ball into into Dahi Burke or something like that, she'd probably eat you. You know, you just that's just the way it is. Um, but I do think that there's a really big call for Brian to make on, uh, to do with Colin on, 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 uh, on, at this weekend. Um, and I think that that could have a real big bearing on the winning of the game here. I think, first of all, I think that Kenny will be delighted that it's Waterford that they're playing. Um, and I, I think... You know, you went back to Brian makes the point there. You know, Kilkenny are still sort of forming at the minute to a, to an extent. Um, and you know, they had three different players in the last day: Wiles, Chowan, and and uh, Richie Lahey in the middle of the field. And you know, they've also the likes of Paddy Deegan and Billy Ryan to come in. Um, the Richie Hogan is there. Niall Bradley was hugely effective the last day, and you know, may very well be in the starting line here. And there's also a real surprise packet. He's not really surprised packet at all. But Adrian Mullen, you know, can he start at the weekend? Um, so I, I think I just go, I want to go back to that point, though. I think the game. I wasn't. I, I'd love to be at the game with with Waterford the last day, but I think that they left their full back line isolated a lot. They pushed their half back line up the field to win that middle third. Um, I, I think that could be very dangerous against Kenny, and certainly if you have a full forward line of Owen Cody, T.J. Reid, uh, uh, Niall Brazel, um, you know, really, really, really quick players in there, Adrian Mullen. Um, you know, or even Billy Ryan. I think Billy Ryan may, may well be okay for the weekend. You were full far line of Billy Ryan, TJ Reid and Owen Cody, and you will not want to leave your full back line isolated. And I think Waterford are going to have to fix that. And that in therein lies a problem, because if they fix it, they're going to have to screen it. And now that takes a presence out of the middle third, which they've been very, very strong in, in terms of that, you know, real fighting game in the middle third. That takes a little bit away from that. Uh, so what do you do? Do you you keep doing what you've been doing really, really good, massive work rate, middle third of the field, winning, turning over an awful lot of ball, winning an awful lot of ball, and hence putting a nice bit of ball into your forward line, uh, but nonetheless leaving a little bit of risk behind you because you will not want to leave a risk with those type of players behind you because they will punish you and they'll punish you with goals. And I thought Todd Barford leaked a couple of goals that were, you know, a little bit of the loose variety the last day. Well, it, there's the thing, like, I mean, because we know Callum Lyons, man Mark Tony Kelly at centre half back, uh, Brian. So then you have Tyke the Burka kind of sweeping from right half back rather than dropping down straight back from centre half back. Did it, could that have been an excuse why they conceded the goals that he couldn't get across in time? Or is it more difficult, you know, to sweep from a wing back position than it's the same job? It's just you're, you're starting from the wing, getting back into cover rather than starting at centre half back. 
Uh, it's definitely not as effective. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, Ty Deborka has been absolutely excellent um, in that position. It's 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 like it's a very very deep line centre back. You know, it's not the out and out seven defender slash sweeper, but he is sweeping. I know you've made this point, um, this argument a, a number of times. Yeah. Um, and he's absolutely you, excellent at it. You'd imagine but, Callum Lyons will mark TJ Reid this week again, or do you think they'll rip that up? Yeah, I see. The the probability will to be fair to him, um, but then you see, look if if Kilkenny throw TJ in the full forward line, you know then that's uh, you know adding a, another thing for Waterford to think about. Yeah, um, I, yeah, look, I I think the if you go back to Aaron Shanahan's second goal, um, it was very very poor defending from Waterford. You know, Prunty obviously lost Aaron Shanahan. Um, with the initial strike but then he got caught up in traffic as well and there was no one near Shanahar and even still Stephen O'Keefe probably disappointed himself but he certainly made up for later on you can, I think they conceded uh, six or seven goal chances um, to Clare um, you know and, and look Clare uh, Clare they tried to battle hard it just seemed that Watford had enough um, that they were able to do enough down at the other end of the field um, what I think in terms of this weekend you know Waterford have a huge work rate. They've huge intensity. They've they're very very fit, but they're going to meet that. Um, and we won't even say more, but they'll definitely meet the exact same amount from Kilkenny from that perspective. The exact same work rate. The exact same um, physicality. The exact same athleticism. Because don't ever be fooled by Kilkenny's athleticism. Um, so I think uh, that perspective will make this job a little bit more difficult from Waterford. We, we, we might as well get predictions off you here, lads. Cheddar, I'll start with you. Who do you fancy in this? Like, you, you very rarely back against the Cats. I, I know, it's not that I don't rarely back against them. Uh, you know, I, I obviously think about these things and I think about these things um, for the weekend as well. Um, I think middle third, um, you know, Jamie Barron, uh, you know, real engine, Connor Brown, even a bigger engine, uh, you know. So I, I think it'll hinge a little bit on if Waterford have to screen their full back line, it's going to take their effort out of the middle of the field. Yes, they might stop goals, but they're going to concede a lot there anyway. I think I think, um, I think, think if if Kenny set up with Billy Ryan, TJ, Cody, um, or Niall Brasley, really, really quick uh, um, penetrative players, that's going to be a problem for Waterford, and they cannot leave their full back line open like they did the last day because they'll concede goals as they do. I think equally on the other side, um, I think Tommy Walsh, uh, Connor Delaney are suffocating defenders that Desi Hutchinson or Jack Prendrick are, are that. I know they're quick, but they mightn't actually want to see that. And I just think that this is the game maybe Kenny wanted to make it more game time into Paddy Deegan. Um, um, you know, Richie Hogan has still to come in there. Adrian Mullen has still to come in there somewhere. They're sort of settling their team. They have another game to settle before an All-Ireland final. Uh, I actually think that if if the game flows, as I think it is, I think Kenny might win by four or five. Right, it's, yeah, it's, it, they, well, I think they've the better team. Whether they have the better form or not, Brian, is the big one. You you give us your prediction and throw in where Austin Gleeson will play and whether Conor Gleeson will come back into the Waterford team in your prediction, if you if that's possible. Yeah, well, look, I'll start with Austin Gleeson for starters. I think he relishes playing against Kenny. He was, you know, his work rate was very good against Clare. He's starting to maybe um, bring a little bit more than he maybe did in the Munster final. Um, he's obviously adding scores and if he brings the two of them he can be a huge player for Waterford this, this weekend um, where they play him I think again they'll, they'll try and exploit Kilkenny from, from that perspective they'll look at where where can he hurt them most you know he, he's played most of the game a full forward the last day he came out at times obviously um, I 
couldn't imagine him starting full forward. I think they maybe will start him at centre forward. Conor Gleeson haven't heard much in terms of him whether he's ready or not. So, um, you know, I, he hasn't featured much. So I, I couldn't imagine that happening. In terms of the overall, my prediction, I think I'll go with Kilkenny just for the simple fact that, as I said, I think Waterford are going to meet a team that works just as hard as them. Um, and Kilkenny are probably that little further down the road. They have a decent, you know, they have a, a decent team. They have a lot of options. They have options to come in off the bench. Whereas Waterford at the moment probably just don't have that strength and depth. That's what stopped them against Limerick. Um, but I think there's one thing for certain, this Waterford team, the trajectory they've went in this year under Liam Cahill has been absolutely excellent. Um, they will not stop running. They will not stop working on, on um, Saturday evening. And they will stay going for the 73, 74, 75th minute. So um, definitely the trajectory is up for Waterford, but I think they'll run out just a little bit of road this weekend. Yeah, I'd probably lean towards Kilkenny as well, but I think it'll be uh, a very, a very, very close one. Right, lads, we'll leave it there. Uh, we're just in time so the two of you can go back to work and I'll send you a postcard from Croke Park on Sunday. So we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk to you the following Thursday. Thanks very much, lads. The football man going to Croker and we sitting at home. Isn't that unbelievable. <laughs> I'm going to go on to the security boys in Croke Park to stop them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Warford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.